Your salvation was just the beginning of all that God has for you. Just the beginning. Not the end. The beginning. It's just the portal into so much more. And the way you entered into salvation and new life in Jesus Christ was you admitted your need before God. You called out to him. You turned from your sin and you trusted Jesus and you were saved. All that God has for you next comes by that same path. You keep admitting your need. You keep calling out to God. You keep turning from your sin and you keep trusting Jesus for the next step. Because he has so much more for you. I don't care if you've walked with him a year, five years, 10 years, 50 years. There is more in the land that he has for you. More in his promises. He's not finished with you yet. But he calls you to take the step up in to that next place. I want to show you a couple of verses that have kicked us off into this journey that we're a part of now, this series called Give Me That Mountain. Never, ever let go of a promise from God. The New Testament describes it this way. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is God saying, I have everything that I'm ready to give to you that pertain to every element, every area, every piece, every moment of your life and godliness. Everything for that. Faith is not a compartment over on the side that we serve on Sundays. Faith is the foundation for everything we do in every part of our life. And God has everything that we need to live this faith out in every part of our life. It goes on in 2 Peter and it says, through, this is how he does it, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. In other words, through knowing Jesus Christ, through knowing what he has done, through knowing who he is, through knowing him in you, through knowing you in him and his glory and his virtue. He says, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. I love every word of this because he's saying, God has given us promises God has given us his word. God has given us himself. And he has promises that he's made to us. Commitments, bigger than commitments. Bigger than contract. He is in a covenant with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. And there's promises that he's given us. Peter said they are exceedingly great. In other words, they are high, they are massive, they are majestic, they are powerful. They're bigger than you and I can even comprehend, but he also said they are precious. They are valuable, they're costly, deeply personal. So this life that he has is through these promises, then he finishes it with this in verse four, the second part, he says that through these, through these, you may be partakers of the divine nature. Through the promises of God, you and I might become more and more like Jesus. So the new heaven nature in you and me as born again believers, that through the promises, I might actually partake of those. I might experience those. 
by believing the promises. That's why this series is so important for every one of us. Because God has so much for us. And it comes by believing and trusting in his promises. I want to just show you some of the things that God has for us that makes this, I hope, very relevant for all of us. Let me just show you some of the things that God has for us as his great and precious promises. Here they are. He has given you the promise of a new heart and a new desire. A new set of desires that chases after him, that longs for him. A new heart so that wherever you've been before, whatever you've felt before, whatever you long for before, he says, I can make you new inside. I can give you a whole new set of desires and dreams. I can break generational patterns. I can break long-held family traditions and thinking patterns and habits. God can break all of that. He can defeat long-standing giants that you have wrestled with. The ones that taunt you, the ones that threaten you, the one that harassed you, those can be defeated in your life. Power over temptation. You can get to a place where you can say to temptation, no. He has promised all of this. He has promised freedom in our life from fear, from guilt of my past, from shame that I will never be able to be loved He can promise and does promise the restoration of a broken past. The failures that you've walked in, the things that you've experienced, the things that you've done, he can restore. He can bring back what the years of the locusts have stolen from you. He can make all things new. He has all of this for us. But you and I have to take the step, as Caleb said earlier, into this promised land. The healing of all dis-ease in your life, whether that be spiritual dis-ease, mental dis-ease, emotional dis-ease, behavioral dis-ease, physical dis-ease. God, by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, can change your heart, change your emotions, change your mind, change your behavior, and even change your body. These are promises that he has for us the reconciliation of broken relationships in our life, the miraculous things happening in your life, the things that begin to happen that you say, I don't have an explanation for how this happened. I only know that it happened. I trusted God and he began to do things beyond what I could have ever have thought or imagined. And even building into your life and my life, godly purpose and the ability to influence others. This is not just pie in the sky talk. This is not just a TED talk. This is the promised list of God for your life and my life. Amen? Exceedingly great and precious promises so that by these we might have this kind of life. This is what he intended. The path to that, the path to the divine is through surrender, faith, obedience to God's promises. To get to those, to walk in those, means you have to come to the place where you say, I'm going to deny my flesh, I'm going to take up my cross, and I'm going to follow him. I'm going to trust him. Today, we follow the children of Israel and Caleb as they journey a little further in the story today.
So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Numbers 13 and 14. Our message today is called this. You are so close. You're so close to all the promises that God has for you. Mm. Numbers 13 and 14, we've been following the children of Israel because they had been led out of Egypt. Hey, I brought the board back today. How about that? If you got your, if you got your uh, notes here, let's do some drawing. So a uh, little setting for uh, geographically where we're headed today. So uh, this is the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, you've got Egypt about over in here. And this is where the children of God had been held as prisoners for a long time. They were slaves there in Egypt. They were not able to do what they wanted to do. They had to do what their enemies told them to do. They were lost. They were without hope in that moment. That's what you and I were without Christ. We were slaves to what the enemy wanted us to do, right? We didn't have a will of our own. We didn't have the power of our own. We weren't free. We were enslaved to do forced labor by the enemy. That's what he does. God sent a deliverer for his people, though. He sent a man called Moses to enter into that land, to go back to that land and lead them out. And God did. He led them out of Egypt and they began a journey from that point. And if we were drawing a map, it might have some elements just like this to it where you would have the Red Sea on the map because we know the story. When they leave Egypt, they begin a a path that takes them out of there and God leads them in very dramatic fashion to the Red Sea. And when they come to this moment right there, they have their first real moment of faith. God does that in our lives, you know. He brings us to places where we have to trust him and not ourselves anymore. And in that moment, he led them across the Red Sea in a very dramatic fashion because he destroyed the enemy that pursued them in that moment, right? And this is what God does. And they trusted him. And they, they ventured and they continued a journey. Then God began to do a work in their life and God gave them law, Mount Sinai, and he led them a little further and the scriptures illustrate the story and it brings them to a place that we have discovered in our story here called, whoops, the promised land. This was the land of promise. This is where God had said to Abram and to Moses and many others, this is where I'm going to lead you. I'm going to bring you into this promised land. Only trust me with everything within you. Yield to me, surrender to me, trust me, believe me, because along the way and even in this land are going to be giants, are going to be strongholds, are going to be blessings, are going to be provision. But before you can experience all that is here, you're going to have to trust me because I will be the one who will help you defeat the giants, tear down the strongholds, and experience the life that I have for you. Now, as they left, and they came to this place, the scripture is clear that they came to a very specific place. It tells us in Numbers 13, 26, it says about the spies that he sent in. You see, Moses, under the direction of God, sent 12 men in to go check out all of this land 
go and see what is all in this land. And they did. And they saw provisions and they saw blessing and they saw giants and they saw strongholds. And they came back to the people with a report. We know from the story so far that Caleb alone came back and said, yes, the land is everything God promised it would be. And yes, there are giants in the land, but our God will deliver us. Let's take it. Let's go. But 10 men said the opposite. 10 men said, there are provisions and blessings and this is the promised land of God, but these giants and these strongholds are too much for us. They're too big. They're too great. The problems are big. In fact, to them, the problems were bigger than the promises. And they said, we are mere grasshoppers in their sight. We could never enter in to all of that. So the scripture records in Numbers 13, 26, it says, now they departed and they came back to the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. So this is where our story takes place today. At this city, at this location, right on the borderland of promise. Left Egypt, seen God do some things, pretty miraculous things. God gave them the law, God gave them the tabernacle, the pattern for their sin to be removed, and now he brings them to Kadesh, right on the edge of all that awaited them. Blessings, challenges, giants, strongholds, but God had said, I will be your God. I will deliver you and bring you in. So here, they are camped, right on the edge of all that God had next for them. Mm. This is where it's like your story and my story. My guess is that most of us here in the room have come to Jesus Christ already. You put your faith in him at some point and you've seen him do some pretty miraculous things. You've seen him give you new hope, forgiveness, peace in your heart. You've seen him provide in some miraculous ways. You've seen him heal some relationships. You've seen some Red Sea moments. And you've walked with him for a time. But now, every one of us, doesn't matter who you are, we all stand at a new place today. God always brings us to a place, a moment, before we can enter into all of his promises. Now, what's interesting to me is this name, Kadesh, is a word that means sacred. God brings us to sacred moments before we enter in to all that he has for us. And it requires our absolute faith. This is true for all of us. Moments like where you are now. Moments where there's promises, yes, but man, there's some uh, tension. There's some giants. There's some uncertainty. But to get from here into here, 
You're going to have to remember all that he did here. And it's going to take something new. If you want to move into new promises, then you've got to have a new depth of surrender. You're going to have to have a new depth of faith. A new level of release. If you want to see some new levels of healing. Some new miraculous things happen. Some new depths. Some new provision happen. You have to come to the place where you're willing to look into the promised land and have faith like Caleb and not like the ten who saw giants and strongholds and said, I don't think so. The passage goes on and it says that these ten men said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we In other words, that just looks like a lot of work. That just looks like some struggle. That just looks like a little bit of resistance. That just looks like a little bit of fight. That just looks like it's not going to be comfortable. Welcome to following Jesus 101. If you're going to follow Jesus, he said, deny yourself and take up your cross. That doesn't sound like kick back in your recliner and expect to be served. Hello? So this is going to get all uncomfortable and bump up all against our 21st century American mindset because what you and I have a mindset to do is that we work so that we can rest. (laughs) We earn so we can be comfortable. The goal is comfort. And Jesus said, that can't be the goal. The goal has to be take up your cross and follow me and then you will see life happen. And this is where the children of Israel are. They are at this place where they're looking up into this land. They're looking up into these promises and they say, it's too much, it's too hard, it's too massive, they're too big, it's too great. That sounds painful. I don't want to face any struggle. I don't want to go through all of that. I don't want to have to be rejected. I don't want to have to face loss. I don't want to have to come to the end of myself. I don't want to have to break down. I don't want anyone to see me cry. I don't want anyone to see me sweat. I don't want anyone to to know I don't have my stuff together, then you won't want anyone to know that you're a follower of Jesus. Because that's what it's going to take. And this is what it took for them. It says in Numbers 14 too, and I'm, I'm summarizing, not summarizing, I'm using different verses through the passage to shorten the story for us. Numbers 14 too says, and all the children of Israel complained. One man had the courage to speak truth and believe a promise. The others believed the problem. And when they told the nation, the nation started complaining. They complained about God bringing them here. They complained about God not being with them. They complained about how hard it was going to be. They complained about what it would mean for their children. They complained about how difficult it was. Complaining is one of the clearest indications that you're not trusting in a promise. When you start looking around at how better they've got it and how bad you've got it, and how hard your life is and how good their life is, and how you don't know why God brought you here, why this is so difficult, where is God, why did he do this to me? The minute you look around and start complaining, it is clear evidence you are not believing in a promise, you're believing in a problem. 
Sorry to get all personal this morning. It's just what the scripture is telling us that they complained because they didn't believe God could bring them through. If they believed God could bring them through, they would have been like Caleb, and Caleb didn't complain. Caleb said, I see your giants, let's go. You get up and you get into battle. You get up and you do the work. You get up and you keep the promise that God has given to you. You get up and you chase him. You get up and you pursue it. No complaint in it, full passion in it, because you know this is what God has called you to. Amen? Children of Israel, they complained. And God had a response down in 22 and 23 and verse 14 that said, because all these have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land. That's just terribly tragic. This is not one person walking on this journey. This is an entire nation moving forward as a group. And God is speaking and working and delivering all along the way. And they come to this moment here. And it all comes down to this. What they will believe in this moment. And God says, because you're rejecting my promises because you won't believe me, because you're not acting in obedience to my voice, you will not enter in to this land. It was there. God had promised it. God had all the victory established for them. God was ready to show off. God was ready to defeat the enemy. God was ready to glorify himself. They were in a position to be radically changed, to never be the same, to see promises come true. But they got to this border and they said, no, not doing it. Not going to change, not going to turn, not going to believe. It's too much, too hard. The problem's too great. I don't want to suffer. I don't like pain. I don't like the struggle. I'm not going in. And God said, then you won't go in. Sometimes people say, well, God is so mean. No, God is good and God is just. Because here's what God did not do. He did not force a nation to go in when they didn't want to. And if you don't want to, he's not going to force you to because he operates on grace by faith. He doesn't operate on force and control. He's given promises and he looks for those who will believe him. And to them, he says, I'm not going to force you. I'm going to honor your choice and you will not see the land. The saddest verse in the story to me is what happens next. It says, now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley. Tomorrow, turn and move out into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. The Canaanites and the Amalekites 
had long been a thorn in their side. And they dwelt in the valley. They were close, so close, so close to defeating the enemies, so close to God removing them forever as a threat, so close to not having to worry about Amalekites and Canaanites anymore. So close, right on the edge, ready to see the moment where they didn't have to deal with that habitual sin issue again. Can you imagine that? This is what God does. He brings us right up to the edge and says, I'm ready. I'm ready to take you into the land. I'm ready for you to have some victory over that thing that you have just been harassed by, tormented by, that thing that you've not seen the promise come true yet. I'm ready to deliver. I'm ready to do something powerfully big in your life. And we get right to the edge and we just say, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And God says, the giant is still there. The enemy is still there, but now turn and move out. This is what God tells Moses. Turn and move out back into the wilderness. How tragic. How sad to be right on the edge, to be right on the borderland of seeing all that God had. And instead, Moses would lead them and they would turn and leave Kadesh, leave the edge of the promises and go out into the wilderness. This didn't mean they stopped being God's people. This didn't mean that God had left them God was still with them, and God would still work in them, but they would spend their days in the wilderness. They would spend their days filled with even greater struggle. It's going to be a fight either way. You could go in to a fight and have God give you victory, or you can just go out into the wilderness and still face a fight, and it'll be a longer, harder battle. There'll be more complaining. There'll be more pain. There'll be more suffering. You'll still belong to God. You'll still have him with you. Your life will be safe. Your life will be explainable. Your life will be logical. And your life will be what you chose it to be. Not in the promised land. I'm afraid this is where um, we often find many American 21st century Christians today. We've gotten caught up in our comfort and our ease and having things our way. And this idea of taking up your cross and denying yourself is just rubs against the grain. It's supposed to. Because you can't face your battle in your own strength. You can't face what's ahead by your own will. You only can face it by the power of God and the promise of God for you in that moment. And that means walking up into some hard stuff with absolute surrender of yourself. 
absolute broken will of yourself, ready to see God work. We can word it like this. Fear, stubbornness, pride, complaining, spiritual narcissism, and being unwilling to do hard things will keep you from entering what God has promised next. I have a screen for this one. There's more than you can imagine that waits for you next. Next. Just next. And your fear, your absolute stubbornness, your pride, your complaining about it, your own spiritual narcissism that says, but what about my feelings? But what about me? But what about what I want? But what about how it's going to make me look? All that spiritual narcissism is sinking your ship, is keeping you from entering in and being unwilling to do the hard thing. Being unwilling. Unwilling to turn, unwilling to repent, unwilling to ask forgiveness, unwilling to pray, unwilling to change your life, unwilling to take that next step because it's hard. It'll keep you just like it kept them from entering into all that God had for them. And you'll turn instead and spend the remaining years of your life just going through the absolute motions complaining and frustrated and angry and bitter and jealous and wondering, God, where are you? He says, I'm in the same place I've always been. I am with you. I will never leave you or forsake you, but I have more for you. But you're going to have to take the step into the next. The opposite of this is also true. Surrender, holding to promises, willingness to fight giants, and faith that never, ever, 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 ever stops believing that is the faith that will lead you in to what God has promised next for you. I'm not talking about faith that says, I'll trust you, God. I'll believe you, God. I'll do what you want, God. Okay, remove this thing from your life. I don't want to do that, God. Turn back out into the wilderness then. Well, I don't want to repent. I don't want to, I don't want to go ask forgiveness. Take that turn. Go right back out into the wilderness. I don't want to sacrifice. I don't want to give up. Just take that turn and go back out in the wilderness. I don't want to have to go through the pain of, of getting on my knees and praying and keep praying and keep praying and fasting and seeking God and studying his word. That takes long. That's hard. It's difficult. I'm going to be made fun of by people and they won't understand. Then just turn back out into the wilderness because the only way you get to what God has next is to have the kind of faith that Caleb had that said, there are promises 
and there are blessings, and that's what God has for us. And yes, there's giants, and he will deliver us. Let's go. I don't care what the problem is. I don't care if it's job-related, marriage-related, finance-related, health-related, mental-related, emotional-related, relationship-related. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what the giant is. It doesn't matter what the stronghold is. It doesn't matter what the problem is. God will deliver you and bring you through it if you will surrender and break and let him do it. That's what it is. This is the kind of faith, like Caleb says, give me that mountain. So I don't know what that mountain is for you. I hope you have been looking at God's word and promises I hope you have been thinking about some mountains that you want to see you and your family stand on. That's what Caleb said. Give me that mountain. Not for my personal benefit, because as we're going to find out, and you may already know, Caleb's 80 plus years old when he says, give me that mountain. It wasn't just so he could kick back in a recliner for the rest of his life. It was because he said, I've got giants I want to defeat because I've got something for my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids and everything else. They are, this is what I'm fighting for. And this is what he's called you and I to. I want to hear the stories. I want to hear what God's doing in our midst here. You're going to hear some over the next several weeks. They're coming. They'll blow you away. The stories of just this past year where God's people here at Vertical held to a promise that God gave them in spite of the odds and opposition. They surrendered, they humbled themselves, and they chose to believe, and God did the miraculous. There's personal stories. There's more personal stories to come. But also this story here points to a truth for us as a church. Several weeks back, I told you the story of the history of Vertical Church and how the enemy went to work here in the early 2000s and began to split and divide the congregation and the name of the church began to be blasphemed, really, in the community. And God is in the process of restoring his glory here in this place. He is restoring the paths for people to walk in. You might not have realized all that when you came in here, but you're sitting in a miracle. You're sitting in a work that God is doing to restore his glory here on this property. And the story is not over yet. He is restoring lives, he's restoring marriages, he's restoring family, entire family groups. And he's doing it through the power of the gospel here. And so our goal has been to see that restored, to see the glory restored here in this place. We're seeing that happen spiritually. We're also attempting to do that physically through some of the property. The property was when the church got into a difficult time, it had to be rented out to a daycare. And God blessed them for their time here. But since then, the daycare has left, and we now have space that we can use for ministry that we haven't had before. And there's a cost to all of that. And I think God has arranged all of this at a very unique time in our history. 
so that the church and what we're believing God will do here physically with this property and restoring that will just be one picture of God's power to restore even greater things, to restore families, to restore this church to a place of influence in the community, and to restore the calling of the church even in this day. Here's the verses that we're holding to, or the verse from Isaiah 58, 12. This is the promise. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundation of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. This is the day and time that the church must return to what God has called it to and nothing else. It must be the light that holds out the way of truth and the gospel. It must hold up truth and it must hold up grace in this day and time. It must hold up the cross and it must hold up the resurrection. It must proclaim the gospel and set captives free. And this is what we're seeing God do here. So what I'd like to do today is um, I want us to pray. I'm going to ask families in just a moment, individuals, if you're just here by yourself, to pray. Because we've, we're now coming up on the end of 28 days of prayer as a church. Asking God, God, what would you have each of us do in giving to help restore the paths of this facility? So that other children can be ministered to. So that the lobby can be enlarged. So that new guests can come in to see Areas upstairs that have not been adult classrooms before become adult classrooms to see children's areas expanded so that they can, we can reach more children here. To see this room upgraded so have better ease for our band to worship here and lead us. There's much that God has for us to do. And I think it's just a picture in the financial realm of what God wants to do spiritually in our lives. So what I'd like for you to do is to pray as a family. If you're by yourself, just pray alone. Say, God, what would you have me do as part of this project? What would you have me give? What would you have me do in trusting you as our church stands on the edge of a new future, a new ability to reach even more people for the kingdom's sake, for the gospel. What would you have me do? So let's take a moment to do that, and then I'm going to come back up, and we're going to pray for families, for individuals who are standing on the edge of promises that you've been holding to for some time, and that we will have the obedience to walk forward in that. But you pray together as families for just a moment.